Hi everyone and welcome to our podcast, Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. We're three very proud geek dads and we're here to talk technology, science fiction, gaming and all things geeky. In this episode, we'll be discussing the treasures that can be found in Pete's Shed of Shame, interviewing 3D printing geek Alex Gibson and debating our favourite science fiction villains. Hello and welcome to episode two of Geeks, We Are Your Fathers. I'm Robbie and I'm here again with Dave and Pete. Hi guys. Hi guys. So I'm sure as many of you listening have probably been doing as well recently, we've all been spending some of our time on lockdown getting around to those jobs around the house that we've been putting off for longer than any of us would like to admit. And Pete in particular, you've uncovered some gems in your shed of shame. My shed of shame, yeah, as my wife calls it, my shed of shame. Basically, it's where gadgets go to die. I've got a mountain of cables that would probably, if you put them into them, would stretch around the world. Uh, I've got tools in there. I've got bikes. I've got surfboards. I've got golf clubs. I've got cricket bats. I've got tennis rackets. You name it, I've got it, right? So it's kind of one of those things that I, I start a hobby, do it for a little bit, and then I kind of get bored and I go on to something else. So my shed of shame, yeah, this week I'm covering... Uh, Lots of gadgets that uh, I haven't seen in a while, actually. And I say cables is the main thing. I, I always end up ordering Amazon cables on Amazon, right? And actually, I could probably just go to the shed and spend half an hour and I'd probably pull out two or three of them. But uh, I guess it's just a bit lazy, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it, it, it's been an interesting week and I definitely need to have a proper clean out because uh, I am running out of space. Uh, I, I was up there this week, actually, because I was doing a few hacks using an Arduino, building a, a little alarm for my door so that the kids don't bang on the door when I'm on the phone. It's got like a little light that comes on. And I had to go up there and saw up some um, uh, breadboards, basically, and I had to chuck everything onto the floor so I could get to my vice, get my saw out, and then and then hack a bit off so I could come and put that into the circuit. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take some pictures and show you guys. I'll do you a bit of a video tour. It is, um, yeah, it, it's an incredible sight, the stuff that's, that's jammed in there. <laughs> Speakers, I can't get, I can't throw away speakers, right? I've got loads of different speakers. <laughs> I've got, um, I've got uh, an amp up there. I've got um, a Spectrum, an old Spectrum uh, from back in the eighties. My Commodore sixty four is probably in there somewhere. Actually, I need to dig that out. Buried away. Uh, and, oh, buried away. But we've had mice in there as well. You know, not not electronic mice either. Proper mice. Right? Playing so, on the Commodore sixty four. Playing on the Commodore sixty. Well, yeah, so I basically had uh, set a load of traps in there at the minute as well. So um, I did go up there actually. I hadn't been up the shed for about two months, and I went up there and there's a couple of uh, uh, rats that have kind of uh, bitten the dust and and all gone a bit hard and, and flat. So uh, I need to get some kind of IoT enabled rat trap so I can go up there a bit more <laughs> regularly to see what I've said. But uh, but yeah, my my shed of shame is. Um, it, it, I love it, and and I need to get a new shed next year actually. So I'm gonna have to have a proper clean out and, and move it all out. because I want to put a bit of a man cave up there, maybe a radio shack as well. Nice. And, uh, so that that's gonna be a big project, maybe even for this year actually. If we don't end up going on holiday with this lockdown, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. So the shed of shame this week is uh, is pretty much where I've been most evenings and and over the Easter holidays. What about you, Dave? What have you been getting up to? Oh my. I said last time I'm I'm a bit more of an analog geek, so um, I'm a scale modeler and a war gamer apart from anything else. So, not having the opportunity to go anywhere, I'm sitting here looking at the models that I've got still to make and the paints. Uh, let's ignore the models for the moment because I've probably got 150 odd models that I could sit down and make. My biggest vice is paint. Now I use little acrylic paints. They they come in. They're in little bottles about the size of an eyedropper bottle. They're about the same size and shape. 
about 15, 17 mils worth of paint in there. And uh, my biggest thing, my wife said to me the other day, why is there paint all over the bookshelf? Please, can you get rid of those little pots of paint? So I had a bit of a sort out and uh, yeah, I suppose I got about 300 pots of paint. And unfortunately, because I do, I do military models, there's lots of different greens and there's lots of different browns and lots of different... They're just... I'd love to tell you I'm one of those guys who doesn't really care that the colour that the British painted their pa their tanks at the beginning of the war is ever so slightly different to the green they painted the, the tanks at the end. Of it. But I'm totally that guy. <laughs> I've, I've, I don't know how many different colours of green I've got for whichever tank. It, so it doesn't matter, but I've got all this paint. And they do eventually go off. I mean, you, you don't look at a pot of paint for three or four years and you open it up hoping to squeeze a bit out onto a palette and the next thing you know, it's... It's either separated out like curdled milk or it's gone absolutely solid. So at some point I'm going to have to go through this list of paint and actually, am I going to use this again? Is it solid? Can I, it just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, a vice I share with other hobbyists like this. There was a guy on YouTube who, who was challenged by his girlfriend to say, how many models do you actually have? And he got to 600 different models before he stopped and was then forbidden from ever buying another one ever again. So I'm kind of not quite that bad, but... Uh, I'm more I'm impressed that, that he's direction. got a girlfriend. <laughs> well, she paints as well, but uh, <laughs> she's a little bit more reasonable on the basis that, right, she starts a project, so she buys what she needs for that project and finishes it. That's but, too logical. Well, it's it's very logical, but, but you know, I'm, I'm one of those kind of butterfly mind things. It's like, oh, I really need to sit down and do this list. Oh, look, something's shiny. And the next thing there, you've bought another box of models. It's... It's it's advice. I suppose it's as as vices go. It's probably pretty harmless. My wife generally knows where I am of an evening, um, and uh, it it doesn't harm anybody. But it's yeah, it's taken up a lot of room in my office here. <laughs> yeah, see, I've only been in my house now for a year, and so I had a lot of this work last year. This time last year, I was just about to move into my new house, and I was clearing everything out, and I similar to what you were saying as well, Pete. I was finding all of my consoles that I'd had hidden away up in the loft and I had my Nintendo Wii and I had my Sega Mega Drive and things that I just really did not want to part with. Um, and yeah, the stuff that you've been hoarding and putting away for so long and realising I can't really take all of that to a new house with me. So yeah, there was so much that ended up being thrown away or donated to charity shops and things. But yeah, luckily that's meant I've not got too much to do um, in terms of tidying things up this time around. Although the garage does seem to be getting a bit full, so I'm just kind of leaving the door closed on that. And just <laughs> leave the workbench full at the back. If I can squeeze through to that, then I'm absolutely fine. My wife's got another problem. She started uh, with the, the whole uh, situation we've got. She started making scrubs for local hospitals. She's got donations of, of material from locals. Uh, she's got a sewing machine overlocker. The, the sewing machine she's got would impress the guys that flew Concord. It's incredible her shed of shame is the amount of fabric that she's got lying around so she's sitting there asking for donations of more fabric and then she realized quite how much she'd already got um so we all have our little vices you could be using that fabric to make some nice little clothes for your for your models <laughs> well she likes she makes clothes for the kids and she makes clothes for for nieces and nephews and and she loves doing this kind of stuff every now and then she'll she'll make a little dolly or a little cuddly toy or something like that but she also used to do costumes for our local amateur dramatic society 
So she's got all sorts of weird and wonderful fabrics for whether it's pantomime villains or the, the hero or the dame or whatever. And, and you don't throw material away in the same way that geeks of all kinds don't throw anything away. No. She's just got piles and piles of it. So, Robbie, what have you been up to this week? Well, I've spent far too many hours this week 3D printing. Um, something that I've, I've always threatened to do a little bit more of. I've done little bits with work, but this seemed like the perfect chance to do it. I spoke about the last time that there's a, a few initiatives going around to help to 3D print some PPE for the NHS and some, some of the care workers. Um, so this week I decided to take it upon myself to try and do as much as I could in my own office. Um, so I've been pretty much constantly printing from about eight o'clock in the morning until probably gone 1am, um, trying to get the design right to start with because anything that could go wrong was going wrong. Um, it's always difficult when you move a 3D printer to somewhere different, make yeah. sure you've got the bed level to make sure that, that the settings are exactly how you want them. Um, but yeah, now is a, a nice steady flow. Um, it's actually the printer's having its first break at the moment, just so that you can't hear it whirring away in the background while while we're talking. Yeah, they're here. noisy things, aren't they? Yeah, they they're very noisy. noisy. And I mean, what are they? Are you using PLA? Is it? Is it? Or are you using ABS? Or yeah, I'm using there? PLA. So PLA is one of probably the safest to use because it's obviously yeah. going into uh, medical. If you use ABS, it can become a bit irritant at times when you're wearing it for too long. Um, so yeah, we're using PLA, um, and we've just actually agreed a, a deal with a supplier to get a load of PLA donated to the National 3D Print Society, and by a load I mean around 300 kilos. Wow. Um, <laughs> so hopefully that should help. So RS and, and DesignSpark have helped to, to bring that together um, and denoted that this week. So that means that now plenty more people who are starting to run out of filament because they've been printing solidly for the past two weeks um, are now able to, to start printing again, which is great. That is great. I mean, I love the whole community thing for that. I mean, yeah, when 3D printing kind of first started out, I, and you'll, you'll remember this day when we met, um, was it Adrian Bowyer, who started off the Wet Rat printer, oh, yeah, so the self-replicate yeah. printer. Yeah, I mean, this was, oh my gosh, seven, eight years ago, I think, yeah, we easily. started talking to him. And I think that was the first printer, actually, that we put into the RS catalogue. But uh, it was at the point where it, you had to kind of... Um, you did a you built your 3D printer, then you printed the gears, and you gifted those to the next person so they could then build their 3D printer. It's kind of like a chain. So it's kind of again, it was like a community-led thing where you were helping each other build this, you know, massive network of printers. But you had to rely on the person before you to print the gear so you could build yours, so you could then go and print somebody else's. So I, I love this whole sort of camaraderie of people getting together and 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 really, you know. Um, with the community spirit building these things to, to make a difference i mean this is just incredible uh of what people are doing and the fact that you know you might only be able to print you know a few yourself but that all adds up when you put them all together and you take them into a hospital exactly so, yeah. i think that's been the big difference i mean what we've been doing with working i've been working with the guys at the national 3d print society um above anyone else at the moment because they they've tried to take a slightly different approach and they're trying to centralize things so whereas others are obviously trying to, to produce maybe 10 or 15 and dropping them off at a local doctor's surgery or a hospital, which has definitely been needed. Um, obviously, the dangers there are that you're not sure whether they're sterilised or not. Um, you're not sure whether the print quality is has been good on, on everything that's been passed on. Um, yeah. Whereas what these guys are doing is people, the network, now there's 1,500 of us actually um, across the UK currently who are printing, um, producing around about 20,000 visors a week. Um, and they're just yeah. we're just printing the plastic headpiece. Yeah. We then send that through um, the Gap partnership. So we drop it off at one of their local branches, which are around the UK. 
they take it to IGUS. IGUS is a, a company that we deal with actually um, at RS as well. And I know them. They do convert. They do cable management systems and conveyor systems. Yeah. They? So yeah. they yeah. they couldn't keep everything running as normal in their business at the moment. So they've given their their facilities and their staff to help to assemble these and sanitize them all. And then they're sent through a company called Med Supply UK, who's a uh, they're a charity. They're made up of all doctors and nurses from the NHS who are trying to find PPE, and they make sure that they get to the people who need them most. So it's all done through a very centralised process. But the good thing is it's traceable. So everybody, we all get a batch number um, and a and an ID to make sure that if I send my masks away and there's an issue with one of them, they can trace that back, just as we could with anything else in yeah. a normal supply chain so that you can tell exactly where any potential issues could lie and make sure that you take those out of circulation. Wow. But yeah, wow. It's, it's been really good. I mean, it's, it is so nice to see the community come together, like you said, Pete, and it's not just individuals. So there was a lot of makers in there, which is great. There's a lot of individuals who just have a lot of the, those types of machines that you've talked about where you build it yourself and you've, you've got it just to try and, you know, for a hobby um, in your house. But as well as that, for every one of them, there's another company or school who has a 3d printer and somebody has gone back into that company or that school in order to just print and to help along with with this initiative so it's been really yeah good. I, I mean it's great it's the same you, you know, there's maker spaces up and down the country and around the world actually doing exactly the same thing and this is what's great about maker spaces i mean the guys here in our local maker space in reading they, they also run um what they call the repair cafe and i think it's kind of a bit of a franchise and they run all sorts of places but Again, they sort of go into the community to help repair things for people who maybe couldn't afford to get them repaired themselves or getting things that get, uh, to get put into landfill, you know, so there's a bit more life in them. There's another, some guys we met a few years ago called the Restart Project, and they're a kind of similar idea. They just want to basically, you know, help communities and stop things getting chucked away and they don't need to. So this, again, it's this whole community spirit thing. I think, you know, this is as terrible as the whole virus is there's a lot of positive things coming out i think of, of, of how we all work together and yeah, support each other and it, it's been amazing but uh, of course i'd rather not have the have the lockdown on the covid19 but i think we, we certainly have learned a lot from it and we've certainly uh, seen a lot of collaboration and and friendships made and bonds created so yeah really really exciting and interesting times well, that sound means that it's time for this week's special guest interview and Pete has caught up with an old friend, Alex Gibson. So Alex, I hope you're well and uh, well, look, tell us how, how did you get into 3D printing in the first place? Hello Pete, so um, well obliquely it's rather your fault um so we first met up uh back in oxford um when we started at the oxfordshire raspberry jam uh when the raspberry pi first came out and i got very excited about that and i've been a bit of a frustrated uh closet geek really um without too many um projects that i could really get stuck into and that was something that was neatly desktopable i could really start getting into um running linux and making a few things go bleep over the internet it was fantastic um so i came along to that oh yeah i remember that uh we got chatting about latest things that were going on like uh, rep wrap 3d printing and uh, you put me in touch with uh malcolm and uh the team at um, thames valley rep wrap user group uh, so i got yes, myself I a, on the queue got a, got a kit um started building uh, a 3d printer um 
all the way back then. It was uh, pretty fantastic. Actually, I remember you telling me now that uh, your one of your first printers that you built was on a train on your commute into London. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So certainly when the um, uh, we got the mechanical kit first and uh, we all showed up to a sort of downstairs at a pub in Reading and um, we, we, we doled out the kit of parts. Uh, so I went home and that weekend I immediately sort of commandeered the dining room table, bolted it all together and then sort of sat chomping at the bit waiting for the um, electronics to arrive uh, a few weeks later when they'd all been finalised and the bits arrived from all over the world. And uh, when that when that happened, I was commuting into London at the time, and um, I just found that a, a train fold down table is just perfect for uh, getting together <laughs> even through whole components. I'd assemble them with blue tack and then uh, sort of solder them when I got home. Actually, you've come quite a long way since then, haven't you? Uh, last time we spoke, or last time I saw you, in fact, you have got this incredible printer that you built at Reading bus station. Absolutely. Uh, so. Basically, I've I've um, built I've built three D printers really ever since that that first one. So my first uh, sort of three D printers were really modifications on the original Prusa Mendel design, which is made from bits of roof studding and three D printed parts. So it's a rep wrap that you can build uh, the components to make another one with the same printer you have. Um, and so I've been you know tweaking and modifying three D printed components for a long time, uh, but I worked supporting. Um, the uh, UK uh, distributor of uh, MakerBot 3D printers uh, for a while, I helped them set up a service yeah. and support function. And from that, I learned a lot about how 3D printers work and where they struggle and um, where they could potentially be expanded so that some of their constraints just aren't a problem. Uh, so when I finished doing that, I set up my own little business and designed um, a 3D printer that's completely parametric. You can scale it to all sorts of sizes and shapes. Um, you can carry huge payloads of um, extrusion uh, sort of technology. And I thought it would be fun to completely smash some of the size constraints. So uh, the printer at Reading Buses, and Reading Buses are just incredibly innovative. Nothing like you might imagine uh, for a sort of long, long, um, long established industry. Uh, they're, they're doing just about everything possible to enhance a bus driving experience you know usb charging and you know wi-fi and sofas and bookshelves on the university routes uh, absolutely fantastic stuff and they were um sort of keen to see what we could do uh 3d printing parts for buses they'd already tried printing an engine mount which had you know caused a bus to say in service long uh, when it might have been waiting for a long time for a part and we ended up uh, designing a printer that can print actual bus body panels so we've done that and the build volume is about 0.6 meters by 1.2 meters by 2.4 meters so we've had a few interesting projects to take advantage <laughs> of that so recently alex i can see that you've been quite involved heavily in 3d printing ppe for our nhs frontline staff and i saw this amazing tweet recently of you on a bus with a load of printers on it um, tell us about what you were doing there. Yeah, fantastic. It was just really power of local partnerships, I think. Um, so um, I'm a member of the local Hackspace, Red, uh, Reading Hackspace R-Lab, and um, I'd already sort of been in touch with uh, makers in Shenzhen who had seen um, the, you know, the crisis of lack of PPE going on out there and uh, the local scramble to respond to that, and they were a little bit ahead of us. So 
you know, from a good, you know, six, seven weeks ago, we've been looking uh, locally at when this goes wrong, what will we be able to do to support it? Um, so there are quite a number of us locally who were independently um, all, you know, just looking around to see if we could find somebody in any position of responsibility to offer help and assistance to. Um, and we had a query in uh, from uh, a member of the University uh, School of Pharmacy to say, um, hello, you know, looking, looking to see if we can get some uh, support with this for the local NHS uh, departments. And, you know, a few of us really just jumped on that immediately <laughs> and said, hello, right, we're, we're ready to help. Um, so I've got a small 3D print farm uh, as part of my business, um, uh, about 25 3D printers, not all of them instantly ready to rock. Uh, space is an issue sometimes, they're, they're normally deployed on a per project basis. Um, so what I really needed was some space to operate in. And uh, thankfully, another member of the uh, Reading Hackspace mailing list um, happened to also be an ambulance service first responder and a project manager at Cisco who have been incredible uh, corporate partners because you can kind of imagine that for a company the size and stature of Cisco with full-on um, you know office environment headquarters um, they absolutely have the resources and the space um, but it's quite often that large organizations really struggle to respond in a nimble fashion to something like this and they absolutely did it. So they stepped up, they offered us some space to operate in. But not only that, in order for that to happen at all, it had to be done right. Um, so the uh, corporate um, social responsibility people, the health and safety people got involved um, within the space of less than three working days. Um, codes of practice had been drawn up. Everything had been really thought through. And we were able to create a clean operating environment and that was really, really crucial because we were able to start to be in touch with um, NHS uh, sort of senior contacts and basically be able to provide rapidly uh, kit from day one um, that was to a standard that they were able to sign off that they could receive. Uh, so it's got, been going straight into hospitals, which is really good. That's amazing what you've done there. And it looks like you've had some great fun doing it as well. It's, it's, been, it's been interesting. So there's been sort of, you know, I wasn't expecting to be doing this for a month, certainly. And there have been a lot of 16 hour days, you know, picking printers up when they fall over. And um, we've had an incredible response. Um, over 100 volunteers working 24-7 uh, shift teams, keeping 3D printers turning over all of that time so it's put some serious mileage on the printers but they've generally uh take it taking the beating and um uh yeah so that that, that day schlepping my 3d printers uh over on on a reading bus which was kindly loaned to us uh by them um you know i thought i thought that was going to be terrifying i thought some of them might arrive in bits but it was luxury transport it worked beautifully <laughs> <laughs> that's great alex thank you so much for sharing your story there um, very inspirational. Love what you're doing. Um, and if anyone wants to check out what Alex has been up to, if you're a Twitter user, go on to at Alex Gibson 3D and you can see some of the pictures of what he's been up to, including some of the pictures of the 3D printers on the bus. So, uh, Alex, thanks again. And hopefully when uh, all this is over and we can come out again uh, from our little caves uh, that uh, we can have a beer and uh, look forward to finding out a lot more about what we've been up to. 
Thanks very much. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Take care of yourselves and, uh, yeah, virtual brew or, or, or the real thing as soon as possible. Take care. So it's time for the next part of our podcast, In Pursuit of Dispute. This is a section where we debate and we all agree to disagree about any given geeky subject. Today's topic is a great one. So, which superhero villains did you secretly want to win? Uh, so, so for me, so I've been watching quite a bit of Star Wars recently. And uh, obviously The Mandalorian is now playing on the new Disney Plus channel, which is absolutely amazing show if you've not seen it. But I'm going to choose Boba Fett. So you could argue, I guess, Boba Fett, is he evil? Is he good? He's probably not either. He's probably a bit in between. But I'm going to choose him because he's probably more evil than good because he does do a lot of work for the Empire. He's a bounty hunter. Um, he did, did put Han Solo in the, in the Carbonite. <laughs> so um, he, uh, he's a cool, he's got jetpacks. And uh, he doesn't answer to anybody, goes about, does what he wants. And uh, technically, I guess he's a Mandalorian, or, or, or is he? I mean, he, he's a clone of uh, Jango Fett, I believe, who is one of the original Mandalorians, or the original Mandalorian. So you could argue he's uh, also a Mandalorian. They're pretty cool guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go with, with, with Boba Fett. He's definitely, um, for me, uh, an ultimate evil villain who wants and has a jetpack <laughs> seems a good enough reason how about you dave well i i talked about this again my wife pitched in with an idea she's a a big game of thrones fan so she came up with the idea of daenerys now again you could argue whether daenerys is a, is a baddie because a lot of the characters in games of Thrones, game of thrones are they're all flawed in some way or another with the yeah. exception possibly of Jon snow they're all a little bit good and a little bit bad so but she's a big daenerys fan um, but from my point of view, especially because I've just rewatched all of the Marvel superheroes movies from end to end chronologically, cool. I've got to love Loki. I think Loki is <laughs> yeah. fantastic. He's hilarious. Um, he's got there's there's just a tiny little bit of you that thinks maybe he's good after all, and he does kind of win at one point or another. But um, it, maybe it's something about Tom Hiddleston playing Loki that just that the character just pops out of the screen but to me if you're talking about baddies loki's got to be up there pretty high yeah i, I agree he, he is uh <laughs> you kind of love him or hate him don't you you like you get to the point where you're really horrible and then your next point you think actually you know he's actually quite a cool guy you know it's just, i do love him i think he's a very good character and he works really well with uh with his brother thor doesn't he that that yeah. is uh, a good combination so yeah yeah that's a good shout yeah, I like that one. I hadn't even thought about Game of Thrones. You've just thrown me open to a whole new realm of possibilities <laughs> there because some of them, I mean, Jamie Lannister for me in there is one of those that started off as the person that you would quite happily have been the next one of the many to die. And by the end of it, you just kind of feel sorry for him and think he actually tries to do the right thing. So he's... Yeah, I hadn't even considered Game of Thrones. Don't don't get me started on that because I could be here talking for hours. <laughs> I'm just confirming here now that I've only ever seen season one of Game of Thrones, right? So shoot me now. <laughs> Pete, I'm not you've a got proper plenty geek, of obviously. Time now <laughs> make sure you sit and watch I, them all. It's worth uh, it, I promise. I, I, I don't, you know, oh, maybe I'll see. I, I've got plenty of other things to watch. It just hasn't <laughs> really grabbed my attention. I saw, I quite enjoyed the first series, but I don't know. I, I, there's something about it that just didn't click with me. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll try and give it another go. It is one of those that 
once you start binging on it, you won't want to stop. You can't stop it. No. It will take over your life. Yeah. I say well, as I look if... at a nice map of Westeros on my wall as we talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's confession time, I've still not watched The Mandalorian. We've been putting that off oh. till we can absolutely find nothing else. It's, it's almost like we're delaying gratification because so many people have said it's so good. And we're just we're trying to put it off until we we really oh, we can't wait we've got to watch it we've got to watch it but we've not we've not seen it yet so um, that's that's still on the list to, to be watched. Well, you've done well if you've not seen all the spoilers going through the social media because that's that is one of the worst things about yeah. it being launched late here in the UK. It, you know, you, you pretty much it finished. There's only eight in the eight episodes in the season, and yeah, I mean there was stuff all over social media, and I'm not going to give any away, Dave, just in case you haven't seen that stuff on social media. But it and is I don't watch Gogglebox either because they they ruined it on there as well. Oh, did they? Oh, it, I yeah. I mean, it is an amazing TV show, absolutely incredible. So it, it is. Yeah, I can't begin to describe how awesome it is. You've got to watch it when you get a chance. But it, there's only three or four, maybe three or four episodes released out of the eight. So maybe if you want to binge watch it, wait like two or three more weeks. Keep, and keep waiting, keep waiting. Yeah, yeah. you could bank, bank them all up and get them all in one go then. Yeah. Well, I, w- I work with a bunch of guys over in the US and I have a weekly call with them. And uh, they were telling me back in, I think it was November, they were saying, oh, you guys, have you seen The Mandalorian yet, Dave? It's like, no, it's not available like, over here yet. Um, and they just they it's they always available to... you just need to know where to look <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah they, they showed it in the Netherlands I think the Netherlands was one of the pilot countries for Disney Plus so the Netherlands I think even may have got it before the US did or at the same time so so yeah but uh, that, yeah. That, that's the thing with the internet these days you can always get things if you want to but uh, yeah yeah, it, it's but it is a it is an awesome show, and this is the sad thing about the world we live in. We're such a small world now. You can't release things like that no. in one one region and not another. It just doesn't not work. Not yeah. anymore, you know. And I know even when they were running, you know, Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead and all those things, they were running them um, in the UK at the same time they're airing them in the US, weren't you? So I know you, Rob, you were getting up at like three in the morning when yeah. you watch some of this stuff. And I, I did the same for some of The Walking Dead. I used to be mad into Walking Dead, absolutely loved it. And then I got totally bored because it just dragged on and ended up being so proper. But that's a problem with a lot like of Like another TV lost. Shows. Like another lost. Yeah. I love lost, though. Come on. Don't I mean, even get what we'll do with Mandalorian when decide when you're watching it, Dave. Yes. And I'll watch it at the same time because I've not watched okay. it yet either. And then we can do a podcast, a whole episode dedicated to the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's a deal. Right. Anyway, back to the the villains that we secretly want to win. So, for me, my two choices that I was really split between were both from the the DC world, and it was the Joker and Bane and. I think it must just be in my head. I must hate Batman because I I wanted both of them to beat him. Um, But in terms of um, films themselves, I think it has to be, for me, the Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, And I just really loved the way that he he picked out all of the injustices in the world. And actually, since, since everything happening with coronavirus, the amount that you've seen parallels between what he says about the behaviors of people um, and the ways that they act has, has actually come true in certain situations and supermarkets and things. Um, but I just thought it was played so well. And I think it, obviously the, the way that he just really exploits the weaknesses of Batman in, in everything. And he, he finds the weaknesses in everybody and just exploits them no matter what the situation. Uh, yeah, I, I could watch that all day. Um, 
but yeah, likewise with Bane. So for me, I think it would probably just be Joker um, would be the one that I, I really wanted to win. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with Joker as well. I, like you say, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, frankly, has been brilliant, was brilliant in absolutely everything he did. Uh, he was so versatile, so good, such a loss. Um, and I would agree that, that his portrayal of Joker was, I found it kind of scary and amusing and on the nose all at the same time. Yeah. Mm, see, for me, I, I just I could never get into the Batman movies again. And um, the only Batman that I really remember is the one as a child that we probably all saw. You know, the one with uh, was it Burt Ward and um, whoever the other chap was whose name escapes the me. Original. But the, the original nineteen sixties Batman that we used to watch on Saturday mornings. Um, but I, I, the modern day Batman, I think the one with Michael Keaton, um, I sort of barely remember but I don't think I've seen any past that you have not... to watch the Dark Knight ones Pete because I'm the same I, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the Batman films and the fact that it's now Ben Affleck makes me hate him even more <laughs> that makes me actually really want any villain to beat him because what? Ben Affleck is one of the worst actors when it comes to superhero films what, you, um, oh, did, what else did he do did he do not Green Lantern what did he do he did um, oh, who else did he play Daredevil. Come on, God. Daredevil, that yeah. was it. So, no, do you know what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, Robert Patterson, is he going to be the new Batman? Is that yeah, something coming out? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I just couldn't get into Batman. Um, the Dark Knight series is definitely worth watching. I mean, they're done in such a, a very clever way. And I think that's probably why, for me, they were the two villains that I picked out, was because the way yeah. that they, they shoot those films, you do get a lot more time focused on the villain than you do necessarily on Batman. And it's, yeah, it's, they're very, very good stories. I'm just actually really disappointed that it never really got to the end of it. <laughs> it's, it's also, it's Chris Nolan as director as well, and, and he's another one where you could watch almost anything that Chris Nolan watch, uh, has made and, and, and enjoy it and soak it up. Yeah. Okay, well, I disagree on the Joker front. <laughs> so I'm not going with that. I'm sticking with Boba Fett. I think Boba Fett is the coolest. So well, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I think we're going to have to on this one. I think I think this definition of it. Yes, I think we're going to do that. I do like the um, the Boba Fett suggestion, but uh, hmm. Hmm. not sure he's a bad enough guy. <laughs> So now it's time for Geek of the Week, the time of the show where each of us nominates one person who we believe deserves the title of Geek of the Week. So who have you got, Dave? Um, I've been looking at a, a guy who lives in Buckinghamshire, close to where I live. Um, he's actually a professional photographer, and so he does corporate work with big names. But the other thing he does, he's a, an amateur stargazer. So he's on his website, he's got some pictures that he's been able to take in his own back garden with nothing more than an off-the-shelf digital SLR camera, a decent lens, and the, I think it's called the equatorial mount, the mount that you need to keep uh, a camera steady whilst the Earth is revolving. So it's it's not hugely expensive kit, but the, the quality, the standard of the images that this chap is getting. Um, his name is Ben Brotherton. And he's got a, a, his own website because he, he runs his own business. It's, it's benbrotherton.com. And all his corporate stuff is on there as well. But but there's specifically, there's an, an area within it uh, called Astro. And he is going out and, and doing this, this amateur astronomy 
and taking the most wondrous images of everything from the Pleiades to the moon to to wow. the, the the standard constellations that we've all been familiar with and and i mean it's geeky because i like space it's geeky because i like astronomy but it, i find it really fascinating that he's using technology that all right the the the, the electronics within a digital slr camera is new but he's not doing much different from the guys who were doing this two or three hundred years ago four hundred years ago galileo uh, herschel all these guys would had some pretty basic technology and they were making all these discoveries um, what i find interesting is that that you can go out and you can look at this this is genuine science and you can go out in your garden especially because the the nights are, are getting a little bit warmer you're not going to freeze um, you have to worry about light pollution nowadays obviously but but just a little bit of preparation a little bit of kit a little bit of thought um there's apps on your phone that tell you where different planets and constellations are at every point in the evening go out there take your own images do your own observations be your own amateur astronomer he's a fascinating guy um and i really really loved his images mm, that's pretty cool yeah i see i had a, used to have a phone app that you used to hold up to the sky it was like an augmented reality type thing and it would put little labels on all the stars and tell you what they were called yeah, that, that that was really really cool so you could just sort of lie on your back in the garden look up at the sky you can get your, you know your ipad or your, your phone out and you can look up and just overlay this to the stars and it knew where you were obviously based on your gps position and it would actually you know label uh, the different constellations and oh, it's, it's a really cool app if you uh, uh we, should, we should have a we should have a section in the podcast called uh, app of the week really should we because well, yeah. <laughs> last week we had the um last week you had the uh, international, international space, space station tracker yeah, yeah so yeah but yeah you know that 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 is um that is a really cool thing so yeah if you want to get into it because it, when you look start looking at stuff think oh my god you know which way am i facing what, what's that is that the big dipper or you know the plow or whatever you call it wherever you are in the world but yeah that that's that sounds pretty cool and i've tried taking pictures of, of stars and the moon before and it was terrible results like if yeah. you, you know you look at the sky and you say that's a massive moon so i'll take a picture of my phone and when you actually look at the result of it it's like a tiny dot isn't it on yeah. the screen <laughs> so, so taking uh, photographs of, of the, the night sky yeah it is a real skill and like you're saying dave even though he's like using you know modern technology and stuff there's definitely a real skill to getting a good result from that you know you really need to know what you're doing with different shutter speeds and all that kind of stuff so I'd love to see that. I have to send me the link. That sounds pretty good. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the other nice thing about it with digital cameras is it doesn't matter how many photos you take, you just get rid of the ones that don't work. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep trying, keep experimenting. It's one of those things that, that you're only going to get better the more you try. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What about you, Pete? So, uh, some of you guys know I've, I've, um, I'm kind of into this pint of science meetup group and they've done various things and not so long ago, I um, went to see a talk with Michael Fole at Reading University, and he was an astronaut that um, he's been in the International Space Station for quite some uh, quite some time. I think he's racked up nearly over a year in space, actually, and he survived a crash with the Mir space station uh, at one point. So he's a pretty cool guy. And following these guys on uh, Twitter, and they came up recently with this whole lockdown thing. They've done some digital virtual kind of meetups and they had a guy on there recently a guy called steve swanson he was a he's a u.s astronaut and 
part of uh, what it was all about was, you know, you're in a space station for months at a time. How do you keep yourself occupied? You know, if you could, if you've only got these very small space stations to sort of move around in, and there's a bunch of you there. How do you guys keep, um, you know, yourself interested and entertained, and when you're not working? So it was quite cool actually. So he basically was talking about some of the things they were doing. They showed some video of him messing about. They were having Nerf gun fights. Can you imagine, can you imagine what happens when you shoot a Nerf gun, right, in zero gravity, right? So it's, it's just, you see these things that like you shoot them, they kind of ping off something and then they kind of bounce off the floor and they start floating around. And they said they had a Nerf gun fight and it took them an hour and a half to find all the darts because they just like <laughs> drifted off in st and stayed in different, wedged into different crevices and stuff. And can you, I mean, there's so many buttons on one of those, um, you know, on the space station. I'm, I'm surprised it didn't like jets and something. But um, so that was quite cool. And they had a kind of Q&A afterwards. But yeah, they were talking about some of the crazy things that they were doing just to sort of keep them occupied. And it was just basically using things that they had to hand around them and just being creative and being inventive. There's some great shots of them kind of doing like running races and there's uh, one of the guys sort of makes a, a makeshift snowboard and he straps it to his feet with duct tape and it's just like a, like a foam mat. And he's basically going around the, uh, the whole space station kind of surfboarding off of uh, surfaces. So it's, so it's really cool. So they, they, they thought of some very, very crazy ideas of things to keep them occupied basically during their kind of, if you like, lockdown and staying inside. So... It's a good watch actually, it's still on YouTube and I think they've got some more kind of live events coming up where you can, um, and they're astronauts again again, so you can listen to some of the stories that they've had whilst they're up in space and uh, it's fascinating, they, they are really cool guys with uh, some amazing stories to tell. So uh, that's my uh, Geek of the Week, uh, Steve Swanson, US astronaut and uh, yeah, go and check it out. That sounds really cool, I'll definitely have a look. So my nomination this week is a little bit left field to say the least um so my nomination actually died in 1937 um so there is thought behind it stick with me um so we're recording this now on the week that marks the anniversary of the titanic sinking um and i'd seen a really good story this week about one of my favorite inventors anyway so Giamo marconi um obviously did some great things but what i hadn't realized was that when the titanic sinked sinked sank start that one again <laughs> <laughs> when the titanic sank after hitting the iceberg obviously 1500 passengers drowned but thankfully 700 of them were saved thanks to the marconi wireless equipment that was on board um, and that was then obviously used to call for help so if it hadn't have been for marconi then the titanic would have been an even bigger disaster than it already was so that's my left field suggestion very cool no, i like that i mean i was in um, ireland a couple of years back and they've got the first transition station there where they did the first wireless i think it was a morse code transmission across the atlantic so from the irish sea uh, so from the west coast of ireland right across i think it was somewhere like new york uh, where they received it and this thing kind of travels, you know, the signal goes like the speed of light, so they got the, the signal relatively quickly. Uh, but that, that was a fascinating place to go where you can see um, still the kind of huts and everything they had there where they had the set, uh, all set up. And then they started obviously receiving a commercial um, set of radio signals regularly where they could, uh, different businesses could talk to each other and stuff. So that, that was really cool. So he's a very, very clever guy, Marconi. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good shout out, that one. So who are we going to give the award to for this week? Well, I think Marconi's, it, it, let's face it, the man saved lives. 
that's pretty that's pretty rock star stuff but he is no longer alive to to receive it i think it might be better received by one of the other two oh i don't know in, in which case you know, in which case spacemen are cooler than pretty much everybody so it's got to be I, 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 I think i think astronauts generally are very cool very cool people totally so, okay uh, I, I, I'm going to go with Astronauts as well. And as I say, I, I called out Steve Swanson and Michael Folder, but um, yeah, there were plenty of astronauts that uh, have done very brave and pioneering things. So uh, yes, um, I, I would agree with that. Let's, let's, and uh, I let's think, call it all astronauts. Yeah, a lot of them are heavily involved in, in STEM projects and outreach projects, getting kids involved in, in science and, and engineering. They're, they tend to be very good advocates for, for getting geeky people involved in geeky stuff like we need an excuse well yes great so that brings us to the end of another episode thank you to everybody who listened please make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening channel um, and if you have any questions for us i would like to get in touch then please head to designspark.com forward slash podcasts and follow the instructions there so thank you guys nice to speak to you again have a good great week to chat to you again yeah speak soon